welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Good evening, everyone. I'm your host, Babs Yohai, and tonight I'm here with David Hanscom. We will be talking about learning another language for an enjoyable life. Hi, Hi Dr. Hanscom. Hi, Babs. By the way, Babs is my wife, so just to get that clear. So, um, <laughs> so um, anyway, we'll uh, see how this goes. So we have interesting discussions around all these topics, and that's what we're trying to do tonight is discuss um, chronic pain. And the whole goal here is, in my mind, about two weeks ago, this metaphor popped into my brain. I've always had a little trouble with what's called neuroplasticity, which is the brain's capacity to change every second. It forms new neurons, new connections, new supporting structures called glial cells, myelin, which is insulation. So the brain changes every second. So the key word here is neuroplasticity, and your brain's going to develop wherever you place its attention. So if your attention's on the pain, that's where your brain's going to develop. So the key issue here is that the pain is an unconscious survival response that's a million times stronger than the conscious brain, and you can't control it. So what happens, you have some type of stress or uncomfortable sensation, you secrete stress chemicals, you feel anxiety, which increases your pain. So you can't solve this unconscious survival response. So what you're doing with neuroplasticity is you develop an alternate set of circumstances. So the analogy I like to use is that of learning a new language. Let's say you want to learn French. And if you want to learn French, you're going to read the books, learn the verbs, you'll take classes, you listen to audio tapes. You may even move to France and immerse yourself in the culture to learn the language really well. But in three to five years, you're going to have a significant part of your brain, nervous system, that actually speaks French. So what happened, obviously, you created a different set of connections, and something happened within your brain to allow you to speak French, hopefully quite competently. But you didn't learn how to speak French by not speaking English. So by not speaking English, doesn't allow you to speak French, so the similarity is with chronic pain is that people tend to want to fix your chronic pain. They try to solve it. But what happens is that your attention is right on these pain circuits. You actually reinforce them. It turns out to be quite counterproductive to discuss your pain, try to search for an end of solution, et cetera. So you can't fix your pain. And the solution is you have to move away from it into a different set of circuits. So what happens it's like learning a new language is, I'm calling the language, quote, an enjoyable life, unquote. So you learn how to let go, learn how to calm down, good food, good wine, good friends. So you create a life that you want to live. And as you develop this new set of circuits, you inadvertently don't use the pain circuits as much, and they start to atrophy. So some tipping points, like directing a river into a different channel, what happens more water flows into the new channel than the old, and as the pain circuits start to atrophy, why the pain starts to disappear. So it's been a consistent process as you can't solve chronic pain, but you can stimulate a new part of your brain to develop that actually allows you to enjoy your life. So how, how does one do that? I mean, if you're sitting there in pain, um, it's hard not to think of anything but your pain. Right, and that's why you can't just do it intellectually. In other words, this is not about willpower. It's not mind over matter. And so what you're doing is that the pain actually is this adrenalized nervous system. So it's a series of somatic tools, which, by the way, my wife is quite good at. She's a tap dancer. 
And so you start doing some simple exercises, connecting thoughts with physical sensations to start to calm down the nervous system. So what you have to do is do it in steps. And again, it's a process. It's not mind over matter. So you can't simply switch into a new set of circuits. So one of the first things people do is, is call expressive writing, simply write down your thoughts and starts breaking up these circuits. It gives you a little bit of space in your brain. And so what happens is that now that you have a little bit of a space, it's not positive thinking, but it's positive substitution. So with neuroplasticity, the formula is awareness, separation, and then redirecting. So what these writing exercises do, they allow you to become aware of the thoughts. You've now separated from those. That space is connected with vision and feel, which is part of your unconscious brain. And then the redirection process can be all sorts of things. And the basic one is called active meditation. You simply put your brain on a different sensation, and you start to redirect your brain. So, again, it's a stepwise um, process. Why, 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 do, why, do you, um, why do you have to rip them up? Because I know a lot of people like to write things down, and then they save them. So, again, going to the new language metaphor is that if you write down your thoughts and you hold on to them and analyze them, you're actually analyzing the thoughts. So, the two reasons I give for people to rip their thoughts up immediately is, first of all, write with freedom. It can be positive or negative, rational or irrational. It doesn't really matter. So you can't control your thoughts, because, but you can separate from them. But I think the more important reason to tear the pieces of paper up is actually not to analyze your thoughts because, again, your attention is on the thoughts. So if you want to analyze these issues, then you're actually reinforcing those in a, in a really terrible way. What happens, you might as well put your hand right into a hornet's nest because you have these crazy thoughts, they're disruptive, they're unpleasant, and you try to analyze and fix these things, which are, again, part of the unconscious brain, you can't control them, you can only separate from them, and that's what the writing does, it simply separates you. I see. So, again, it's an anal- and, it's and not a fixing... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just wondering if... Um... If you have to, if the writing is definitely a part of this program or um, you could do other things, or does everybody that you see in clinic or in these workshops, do they all try this expressive writing? So we found out that there's lots of different ways of doing the process, but with the one absolute requirement to actually start the process is, is called expressive writing. And again, it's, just, it's a foundational step. It's not the solution. Remember, neuroplasticity is awareness, separation, redirecting. So without that first step of awareness and separation, it's almost impossible to move forward. So again, the writing is a foundational step. It's the one mandatory step of the entire process. And then the redirecting has all sorts of possibilities. But again, what you're doing through redirecting, you're developing this new language of an enjoyable life. Because remember, the automatic default language is survival. And we're all, anytime we're threatened or stressed, we go into a defensive survival mode. And so that's where our attention is placed on these negative pain circuits. As far as learning the new language, we do a bunch of other things besides the writing. One thing that um, Babs and I have learned in our workshops that we do is a basic rule simply not discussing your pain. And what we found out, including myself historically, is it's easy to discuss your pain all the time because you're consumed by it. It destroys your life. It has a horrible impact on your life. In fact, the impact of chronic pain has been documented to have, to have the same impact on your life as terminal cancer. So it just overwhelms you. You just get it with your friends, with your families. You keep talking about it. 
put your attention on the circuits. So the first thing we do at these workshops is, is say one of the ground rules is, is that you simply never discuss your pain because you can't move away from the pain if you're tensed on the circuit. So in other words, you can't fix yourself, you're going to separate and actually develop a whole new part of your brain that actually knows how to enjoy life. Interesting. Um, so what are some of these um, other tools or reprogramming tools? I think one of the biggest things is that it started in the website in my process somewhat by accident is is goal setting or developing a vision. So let's say your vision is to learn French and you say I want to speak French in three to five years and that's your goal and that's your vision. Then you develop the necessary necessary steps to actually achieve that vision. So through a stepwise process, again, you go through the process of learning, practicing, etc. to get there. When you're surviving chronic pain, it has a terrible impact on your life and your family, so you tend to lose that vision. So the most important part of the project is to develop the vision of what do you want your life to look like. So people are so concerned about trying to survive the pain, they forget what it is, is like to live a good life. So, again, not discussing the pain is number one. Number two, actually mm-hmm. not complaining at all. But number three is what do you want your life to look like? And so I asked couples to do an as exercise about trying to remember why you're together, why, why do you like each other, um, what about your relationship is really fun? What did you use to enjoy together? But try to remember those eros in a, in a lot of detail because what you're doing, you're waking up a part of your brain that knows how to play. So, again, remember our, our automatic reflex in life is to survive. That's what the body is supposed to do. And then you have to understand that first. You have to separate from that instinct. But then, you know, actually thoughtfully developing your plan about what you want your, your life to look like is really critical. And what I do with my patients pretty frequently is say, look, okay, you're in pain, you're 40 years old, you get another 40 years to live. I mean, how much longer do, do you really want to live your life like this? And their eyes open wide up and go, well, we don't, obviously. But they're so tired of seeking answers and solutions and, and getting nowhere that they really have lost sight of that vision. So sitting down with a piece of paper, discussing with your partner or spouse, you know, what do you want your life to look like? And then coming up with a specific plan of how to execute that is really a big part of this vision. Well, well, that sounds good. It's like setting an intention. Right, exactly. What you want, whether it's in a yoga class or in life. Right. Um, I mean, one exercise uh, that my... One exercise that my wife and I do is that we have these little bears we gave each other. Actually, my wife gave them to me for Valentine's Day, and we don't always have a good day or a good week, and we get triggered like everybody else. And so a lot of the times when we're not in a great mood, we we look at those bears and and remember why we're together. It helps. And then also I read something in Time Magazine about 15 years ago that you know couples that stay romantic, even if they're not feeling romantic, have better relationships, but again, just remind yourself over and over again why you're together. And these automatic survival patterns are really deep in families because families trigger each other. So creating this shared vision is a very, very powerful way from, again, moving away from the pain pathways. Do you know where the bears are now? (laughs) They're at home. They're by my bed. 
Oh, good. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. The other um, thing that sounds a, a little bit silly for me personally is that, you know, I, I get, like today, for instance, this was a really a very challenging day with really sick patients and lots of going on. I'm still another hour behind to go here. But I we have this cat at home that I just sort of love this cat. I mean, the tragedy of my life is I'm obsessed with this cat and this cat's obsessed with my wife. But um, it's just one of those things where this cat's quite calm most of the time until I rile her up. And just actually let my brain rest on something that's sort of nice and pleasant just calms me down. So, again, that's part of my life is just relaxing in the living room with my cat. So it's just simple things. What you're doing, you're getting your brain back into a different spot. So if you're trying to, again, constantly fix your pain, talk about your pain, find a solution, it literally consumes your life. And it really just squeezes that part of your life out that's really enjoyable in a big way. But also when you think about this, we all know how to place how the brain develops in the first place. But we don't know, but really most of our brain, I mean, Fred Luskin is a friend of mine from Stanford who wrote a book, Forgive for Good. At this point that the human organism has one function, that's to survive. It's not designed to have a good time. So your automatic response to almost any stress is going to be chemicals like adrenaline and cortisol in a stress response. So that's the default mechanism to survive. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. If you think about this carefully, if you don't make an intention to develop the life that you want, you just can't get there. And then the chronic pain wins. Right. Right. So, um, so that that's pretty that's pretty easy. I mean, it sounds easy. I know it's not so easy and um it's also a problem when people have established their identity is they're in pain so they talk about it and they go home and all of a sudden they're not talking about it so how does that work um difficult at first i mean almost every couple comes in really is i mean well, I mean, one thing that my wife did, um, that would be you, about five years ago, said, you know, I'd have things at work that weren't great, and I'd come home and compl- complain about a bad day, and she finds it just stopped. And I'm going, what are you talking about? I mean, this is really important stuff. We really, I'm really stressed out. I really need to talk about this. But the reality is, when I come home and I'm in a stressed out mode, it actually doesn't help her day. It really is called mirror neurons. When I'm upset or frustrated, it actually affects that part of her brain. So she gets upset and frustrated. So instead of coming home and relaxing and regenerating, why both people are triggered and you're not feeling like you're in a safe environment. So one of the rules is simply not discussing your pain, but the other rule is no complaining. Because, again, that's where your brain is resting. And, again, if you want to develop this new language of an enjoyable life, talking and complaining actually just doesn't really make that happen very well. But I've also thought the last couple of weeks since I actually had this metaphor hit my mind, and to me this really is the essence of neuroplasticity, is you create the vision, you keep striving towards that vision, you keep executing to get there. And when Babs and I and our daughter Jazz does these workshops together, I say, look, you're not here to get rid of your pain. And people look at me and go, what are you talking about? I just spent a lot of money to fly all the way across the country, spend a weekend with you, and you're, you, you mean I'm here to not get rid of my pain. 
And then I say, you're not going to talk about your pain either. People get really upset about that. Then in the office, I say, like, when you walk out the door of my office, you will never discuss your pain ever again with anybody. And honestly, I didn't really realize how much people talked about their pain until we started putting this rule into place. But it's the essence of the solution. You can't move forward if your attention is directed to the pain. So, yeah, it's, it's rough at first, but within two weeks when people come back, they're sort of excited about it because it's a real relief for everybody in the household not to have this negative energy coming in the front door. So it's been probably the, the expressive writing is the starting point, very, very powerful. Not discussing the pain has been also extremely powerful. But now creating this vision of where you want to go, I think it's been even more powerful because you're really stimulating your brain to change in a very powerful direction. And, you know, how do you want to live your life? What do you want it to look like? So it's been really quite effective. And in doing it as a family, has been incredibly effective. So um, just getting back to the neuroplastic brain, um, which we've all, you know, we hear about that all the time and neuroplasticity gyms. But, I mean, does your brain really physically change, at, like, at, even when you're, you know, a senior, uh, let's say 80, 90 years old. How is that possible? So it turns out there's a lot of data now that shows that neuroplasticity occurs throughout your entire life. And people think that you're, I mean, it occurs clear until you pass away. I mean, it was in medical school, we thought the brain had a certain number of brain cells and that you only lose them as you get older. You, and it turns out the brain changes changes every millisecond. So every millisecond, there's new changes taking place in your brain. So just by listening to this conversation and maybe learning a new concept, your brain just changed. So your brain actually physically changes structure. And again, psychology has a significant role in this whole process, but its role is to actually guide you a different direction and help you create the life that you want and support it. What some psychology does, they tend to really talk about the pain over and over and over again so we understand the past, but actually end up reinforcing the past and actually not moving forward into the future. But yeah, your brain changes every second and it changes throughout your entire lifetime. Wow, that's, and there's hope for everybody. Absolutely. Um, so what, so if you're, because um, I've noticed this too, um, when you're in um, isolation or people in pain tend to, um, they, they're, not thinking, they're not thinking about having fun or even socializing. So when you're socially isolated, um, it's hard to learn that new language, isn't it? Correct. We're going to talk about that in the next talk about social isolation. And, you know, I guess we'll be talking about that a little bit later in another discussion. But, yeah, I mean, a huge factor is that human consciousness developed by interacting with other humans. And one of the fun parts about our workshop, and, and Babs and I and our daughter are going to do this next July, June 7th through 9th at the Omega Institute in New York, which is on the website, is that um, – People, it's a structured environment. People feel safe. And they're inter- interacting with other people. And what we realized a while back is that we set up the structure, but really it's the people in the workshop that actually heal each other. So they feel safe. Right. They share. They start to laugh. And as you just start to de-adrenalize your nervous system, but also reconnect with other people, again, you're moving away from the pain relatively quickly. So paradoxically, as you move forward with your pain, there's a higher chance you're going to leave the pain behind. If you're there to fix and analyze and solve your pain, of course, you're going to reinforce those pathways. 
So it turns out in the workshop, probably 80%, sometimes more people in the workshop go pain-free within the three to five days. It's been really a remarkable experience. It's all about just this moving forward, and also people start to laugh. And we do this crazy thing called the cup song. My wife's a professional tap dancer, and I'm probably the most challenged cup song person ever. And people just start to laugh. And within 24 hours after people start to laugh and relax, um, pain goes away, which we absolutely never expected, did not expect it when we started these workshops. So it's been a really fascinating process once the brain shift gears. So one of the most powerful ways to get coming out of pain pathways is actually reconnecting with play pathways, which is one of the ways that the brain actually developed originally. Interesting. Well, I think our time is up, and um, I really enjoyed our conversation, Dr. Hanscom, and um, I hope you come on again soon. Thank you, honey. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.